0: Welcome to the JCN Clinic Podcast Show. I'm Jessica, and today I'm joined by Christine Smith from JCN Clinic. Welcome, Christine. Hello, thank you for having me. So Christine is new with us at the clinic. You might have seen her face on our socials, and you may even follow Christine because she has a lot of awesome content on Instagram. And really excited today to dive into talking about chronic fatigue with Christine Um, like if you've listened to the episode with Eloise we did recently um, I said at the start Eloise and I hadn't had a major chat about that conversation and I think likewise with this with you Christine we haven't chatted about your own experience with chronic fatigue or with fatigue in great detail. So I have just natural human curiosity and practitioner curiosity as we dive into this topic. So I think it'll be really exciting for people to hear what you've got to share in regard to chronic fatigue, but also, yeah, your own story that you bring to the table. So it's going to be a good one. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) Before we dive into the topic do you want to just tell our listeners a little bit about you as far as how long you've been practicing as a nutritionist and a little bit about your passion areas as a nutritionist?
1: Yeah so I've actually been in the nutrition industry or the nutrition world for probably close to 10 years now. Um, But as a clinical nutritionist, I'm relatively new to practice. I've been in practice for just over two years now. And um, essentially, I started, yeah, it was probably over 10 years ago now, um, just started to do a lot of research into nutrition and just out of curiosity for my own health and those sorts of things. And I, um, I dabbled in like a few short courses and things like that because I wasn't sure whether or not it was really something that I actually wanted to dedicate more study to or whether or not it was more just, you know, like a hobby on the side and um so yeah I did a, a few short courses and then ended up doing like some health coaching and those sorts of things and that sort of took me down the path of working um with like young women and adolescents in high schools so we'd go into to high schools and, and do sort of nutrition coaching in that area and um and then eventually I just felt like it, was, it wasn't it was as in-depth as what I'd really like to, um, to to know for myself and then, yeah, create a career out of it. So finally I, I bit the bullet and then ended up doing the um, the bachelor's degree, which as a mature age student did take some time. Um, but yes, eventually got through it all and, yeah, and now have been practicing. Um but in terms of what I like to, to work with in clinic, um, very much focused in the, the gut health side of things. So specifically with SIBO is probably one of the main areas that I really like to focus on. Um, but just general digestive complaints that, you know, a lot of us see, particularly at the JCN clinic. Um, and then I've also got experience in weight management Um. With, both with weight loss and also with weight gain as well, helping individuals that do want to, to gain weight. Um, and then, I guess my other area of focus that we will be touching on today is chronic fatigue syndrome. So, um, having had experience that myself, which we I'm sure we'll get into. Um, it is yeah, it's an area that I I really find really interesting and it's sort of understanding at it understanding it from each individual case because it can differ so significantly. Um, and then, yeah, also working with it sort of as a, as a line of treatment and, and helping clients to, to get some support in that area.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting even with you saying being in practice for use the word only with two years, but I think what you just showed there is how much, experience you brought to the table before even going into practice, which I think is really valuable. Um, cause I think everyone, any practitioner that is listening knows when you come out the other end of your studies and you first start practicing, like it just feels very big, very overwhelming and almost like, Oh, I feel like I don't know anything. I'm right back at square one. Um, just with the concept of going into, to clinic. But when you have such a strong Background uh, and interest in the nutrition industry and had dipped your toe in so much and been involved in so much, I, I know it would have just really accelerated those years for you going like straight into clinic and I'm giving you a certain amount of confidence than the, the next person. I'm making yeah. that assumption but I see that in you. <laughs> I see that. I
1: think as well, like like I said, you know, being more of a mature age student, um, Mm. you do have, you know, you've got that that life experience and Mm -hmm. you've got more experience in your own health challenges and and how that yeah, affects your own quality of life. And so I think you go into practice and, and treating clients from a different space it it, yes of course it is you know a a clinical setting and it is uh you know a career path but you've got so much more personal experience and personal empathy Mm -hmm. that you can share which I think you may not necessarily have when you're straight out of high school Mm -hmm. for example So so true so let's dive into
0: this topic so first and foremost for people listening um, we've mentioned chronic fatigue, um, that is something that we're very familiar with, but as Chris and I always talk about, like sometimes you get so in your own world as a practitioner, you can forget just the absolute basics that not everyone listening knows what we're talking about. So could you start by explaining what we mean by chronic fatigue syndrome and what, what it is specifically?
1: Yeah, I find it, it's quite interesting because it is, um, I guess it's a little bit hard to define being a Mm. syndrome like other syndromes. It's basically a collection of symptoms. So um, you might've heard, say, for example, of polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's sort of in that same realm where it is recognized, but there's not so much a clear pathological disease pattern going on that You know, you might be able to, um, I guess, diagnose, for lack of a better term. So I suppose when we're looking at the actual syndrome, it's more about what symptoms are presenting. Um, I do know that they've come a little bit further in sort of the medical conventional world in terms of recognizing it. Um, and you might have also heard of um, myalgic encephalitis, so that's basically another term that they use to to refer to chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, but essentially yeah, it does come down to sort of a collection of symptoms. So obviously most prominently would be that fatigue. So and that's I, f- I find where it can get a little bit tricky because, A lot of the time when you hear the word fatigue, you automatically just think, oh, someone's a bit tired. But there's Mm. a, a huge difference between fatigue and being tired. And anyone that's experienced chronic fatigue syndrome can they might not be able to articulate it very clearly, but there is such a distinct difference. And so it's almost, I suppose when I'm trying to explain it to someone, it can be a lot like if you've ever had that, the flu, for example, and that's that whole body fatigue. So there's that sort of, yeah, tiredness or lethargy. Um, And then it can be things like post-exertional malaise. So whether or not you've, um, you know, and it really does vary from individual to individual, but, you know, you might get up and try and do some work and then you're exhausted afterwards or for, no, for another person, it might be you want to go and do a workout and you're exhausted afterwards. So there's that, that fatigue, malaise element. Um, And then it can be things like insomnia, you've got um, loss of appetite. So looking at sort of more those gastrointestinal side side effects. Um, You can also have a significant impact on mental health. So depression, anxiety can be present as well. Um, And then also similar to like fibromyalgia, we can be looking at sort of like the muscle and joint pain. Um, And then you've got issues such as like light sensitivity, brain fog, Um, and, and really that, how how do you articulate that sort of, you can't, yeah, you can't articulate what you're wanting to say. It's confusion, memory issues, those sorts of side of things. So Mm -hmm. that's sort of what you're looking at in terms of how it presents. And then in terms of the, like the medical world, if you will, the way that they typically recognize it is if those symptoms persist for longer than six months. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, as far as then moving on to how they would also look at diagnosis, like looking at that as a collection of symptoms, similar to as you were saying about PCOS or I think of good old IBS, it's like we have this collection of symptoms or this criteria. Does yeah. this person meet these? And also, what is the time frame that's associated? Exactly. So, would you say that about the diagnosis that generally that's what is going to be looked at is those symptoms? and also the time timeframe um, as far as how that's been going on for, the, or how long that's been going on for that particular person sitting in that clinic saying, what's wrong with me?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I find it's, um, it's a little bit taboo, if you will, as well. Like there's for just sure. so much, yeah, I find it really tricky. I, I know a lot of the clients that I see, you know, they've been on such a long road, like with so many other conditions that we see in clinic. They've, it's just taken such a long road to sort of get that. And I, I don't know, I hesitate to use the word diagnosis because, because a lot of the time they're not actually ever said, you know, oh, look, you've probably got chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really tricky one to pinpoint as to whether or not they are actually ever getting that proper confirmation. Mm. And um, and I think what does make it tricky is because it can differ so much depending on each individual as well. It's it's tricky to, um, yeah, to really get a handle on what is actually going on, particularly when we're looking at it from sort of a medical or conventional background.
0: Absolutely. And even as you just outlined, like there's such a diverse array of potential symptoms that are going on with the chronic fatigue framework, I guess, Um, you know, looking at everything from the fatigue level itself through to you mentioned about muscle aches and pains and then there's things like brain fog and memory issues through to digestive um, ailments. Like we're talking about a very wide span um, of symptoms and, I mean, we'll probably get into this, but just even thinking about, how many of those may be going on or whether it's just one or two for a person and then we're looking at someone as a you know vertical diagnostic tool wanting to put a time frame on that it's also like well how long do you have to potentially suffer along with these symptoms before you're told oh well it must be chronic fatigue syndrome and then again as we'll probably get into what does that even mean like as far as like with IBS it's like oh you've got IBS like here's here's our suggestions of how you go off and manage that um goodbye like same with something like chronic fatigue oh you've got chronic fatigue great we've classified that you're welcome off you go out into the world to manage that (laughs) which um which I'm sure again we'll get into as far as how that can be quite problematic Yes, (laughs) most definitely. So what about, like, uh, we've talked a bit about signs and symptoms. Um, I'd like to dive into that a little bit more if there's anything we've missed. But I'm curious at this point about yourself, if you're happy to talk about it, like when we talk about these types of signs that start to happen and that diagnostic process, like, was that something that did you actually go through that? Like, did you go through being told you have chronic fatigue, or was it more something that being interested in your health and working with your own health that you kind of put two and two together? Because I, yeah, as I said at the start, I actually don't know. I'm very yeah, curious.
1: I, <laughs> I was, I was trying to think back because it's for me, it's the first, yeah, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into a little bit later on. But for the first time that I had it, um, it was probably oh maybe seven or eight years ago now so I'm trying to remember it all from back then but um, for me it was it was a little bit different I suppose you might say so I um it yeah (laughs) where do I start it looks as though (laughs) mine was actually attributed to a a virus that I had beforehand and so it was basically night and day so i had this virus, um, for a period of time and then it was, I did recover from it, but then it was probably maybe a few, couple of months later. Um, I can remember feeling unwell, like one day and, you know, you just thinking like it's a cold or flu or something like that. It wasn't sort of those, um, you know, respiratory symptoms. It was more just that like achy, headachy sort of, you know, flu feeling. And, um, and then it just never went away and it just progressively got worse. And, but it was honestly like night and day. One day I was completely fine, even though I'd had this virus before. The next, You know, I'd rec- so in, in inverted commas, I'd healed from that.
0: Mm-hmm. And then,
1: yeah, woke up this one day and basically couldn't get out of bed. And that went on for... I would say I think it was close to six months um, that it was just this what on earth is going on Mm. and I think for probably a lot of people because in the initial stages you're not, you know, you're not aware of chronic fatigue syndrome. You're not thinking Mm -hmm. on that first day, that first week or even that first month what's going on. It's just like, oh, gosh, this sickness is taking a long time to get Mm -hmm. over or so Mm -hmm. forth. But then as those, you know, those weeks rolled around, the months rolled around, you know, you'd go to your doctor and, and then, you'd, I don't know, for me at least I had, you know, several other practitioners that I went and saw and, you know, whether it was a naturopath, those sorts of things. So it wasn't so much a clear cut diagnosis in that initial stage. Um, it probably was, I guess, yeah, discussed probably maybe three or four months in. Um, and that's when I started to do a lot of my own research and really yeah went down a bit of a rabbit hole as to what on earth this could be and um, and then it was just really focusing, I suppose on that that healing process. But even looking back in that initial stages, I don't know that I ever actually would have said in that first you know few months that this is what I have if that mm. makes sense.
0: It actually does. it's interesting hearing your experience there because that's so true when it occurs because it has a chronic nature you haven't experienced that chronic element yet you're in that dare we say acute phase yeah like you said you're you're feeling run down and you're feeling fatigued but the first logical thought is like oh geez this flu is really knocking me around oh geez I'm really I must be really exhausted and, you know, from all that stress I've been going through with work, like you there's a, I would imagine there's a logical thought pattern first that occurs um, and it's not until the weeks turn into months. It's just like, hang on a second, something's not right here. So it totally makes sense. Um, and yeah, I can, that, and I think that's where there would be an absolute frustration. And we, I, you know, I know from seeing that with clients of having to go through that process first it's not like, yeah, you just wake up one day and go, Oh, oh I think this might be chronic fatigue. I better take myself off and see someone that knows how to deal with this. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. And I yeah. like, you know, when we speak about, you know, IBS, for example, or um, other yeah, syndromes, it's it can be a similar process because sometimes, mm-hmm. say, for example, with IBS, they might have a, gout, a bout of gastro, for example, which might mm. be that trigger for their IBS. So, and in, in those initial stages, they might be thinking, oh, this, you know, this gastro has just really knocked me around. And then it's, you mm-hmm. know, not until months, years later, they start to think this isn't, <laughs> this isn't just the, you know, the remnants of gastro anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. True. Um, yeah. I would say that it's very much as much as it is, a, you know, a physical condition, the mental, yeah, the mental health effects of it, I would say are equal to the physical side mm, effects. That makes sense. For sure.
0: Yeah, that makes absolute sense. I actually remember when I first started practicing having in the first year, um, I would say my first ever challenging client, which I look back on now. You know why? I was just thinking about her before. It's kind of strange to bring it up now. Maybe it was um, serendipity <laughs> that I was thinking about it because it wasn't to do with this topic. Um, I just remember uh, being like, wow, this is like full on, there's so much going on here with that client. And she was a, yeah, she was a chronic fatigue client. But what I do remember was the emotional, mental, um, I would say battle, but also fatigue in its own right that, yeah, she brought into those consultations. And as a, as a new practitioner, I would say that was what I found the most confronting and probably the most challenging to work with and she taught me a lot um, straight up about not only what's physically going on with the body but also like how do we work with this from an emotional and mental capacity and then also how does your at the client how does their emotional mental capacity and experience of this as a condition if you will then have a knock-on effect onto their healing or ability to help themselves heal and yeah it's kind of fascinating as far as like how it can become like a either a negative feedback loop or if it's in the right way a positive feedback loop yeah Mm. yeah it's
1: just I feel like it's one of those things it's so multi-layered and and it's like I said the the mental health capacity it's it's sort of like that's you know, one side of it, if you look at it from, you know, even just a, a biochemical level in terms of the effect that it's actually having on the brain and the neuro- neurotransmitters and um, all of that sort of mental functioning. But mm-hmm. then it's also confound- like compounded, sorry, with the fact that they're dealing with all of these side of uh, symptoms, sorry, then there's that you know, that mental health aspect of this, I'm, I'm dealing with this, you know, condition sort of thing. So it's kind of twofold. They're, they're having Absolutely. the, yeah, the physiological effects as well as that emotional mental mm-hmm. load. For sure.
0: So let's talk a bit about the causes, um, and potential triggers. I know you touched on that a little bit, um, a moment ago, and even again, I'm sure, with now hindsight, looking at your own experience there, that and as a practitioner, definitely the ability to unpack that <laughs> look back and go, okay, now I can see this sequeled this and this and, ah, okay, this is how this potentially happened. But, of course, that isn't the same story for every person. So, yeah, can you speak a little bit about these potential causes um, or trigger events and and of course the diversity of that.
1: Yeah so again this is where it gets a little bit tricky and I think this is why mm. it can be such a um, a bit of an aloof condition and something that's often sort of misdiagnosed because there's still no clear-cut understanding in the literature or you know across the industry as to what actually causes it. So Um, I guess that, you know, with that aside, the top sort of causes that I see in clinic and that's, you know, documented in the research is there is a a genetic component to it. Um, What that is, is again, still a little bit aloof, but it can basically say that some individuals are more predisposed, you know, genetically to to getting something like this. Um, The one that I do see more often is, post-infectious chronic fatigue so looking at sort of that post-viral malaise and fatigue and um, one of the biggest ones is glandular fever or Epstein-Barr virus and, um, and that can be a tricky one because I'm sure people that have experienced that in the past know that that is something that often stays with you and it's something that can flare up from time to time so you've got that obviously you know you've got to be mindful that you don't want the the virus to flare up again, but then there's that, you know, flow on effect that you may be at risk of getting a flare up in the chronic fatigue from that as well. Um, And then I did just also want to touch on, so with the Epstein-Barr virus for those that might not be aware of it, I think that it's also called mono um, in other countries as well. Mm -hmm. Um, If that's, yeah, that's something you've experienced or that glandular fever, Um, then it can be similar sorts of trauma as well. So whether or not it's, um, yes, like a, a family trauma or like more, like if you're dealing with grief or loss, those sorts of side of things, it can be an effect of that. Um, but it can also be trauma in the sense of physical trauma. So whether or not you've had a, a brain injury or, um, some sort of concussion, those sorts of side of things as well. Um, and then also looking more sort of at that biochemical level, it's that um, nutrient deficiencies, which obviously can cause, um, you know, an array of symptoms. And if, there are, if they are there for a prolonged period of time, we can look at things like mitochondrial dysfunction, which is, it can be a cause, but it's more so, you know, part of the condition itself, um, and then this one's a little bit <laughs> a little bit interesting, and I wasn't sure whether or not to touch on it as well. but there's also, in my opinion, and I guess in from my personal experience as well as what I have seen with clients, is more of that um, metaphysical experience or esoteric experience, if you will, so um, you know whether or not you, are experiencing challenges in your life, and it's sort of like that burnout for a lack of term, lack of a better word, and and whether or not it's, um, yeah, like a, a redirection, if you will. Mm. That's something that I've seen, yeah, both personally and also with clients as well. It's sort of that, not so much like a midlife crisis, but it can be <sighs> that. What am I doing here? I need to reassess. So.
0: Yeah. Interesting. As in like a knock on effect of that, that, that as a stress arc, um, or more on a deeper level of like the body creating a space that actually stops you in your tracks and forces you to stop and to reassess.
1: Yeah. I think twofold. I think the stress yeah. element, um, is yeah, that, that would be like the top if I had to put, you know, a if I had to prioritise them, stress and that that HPA access dysfunction would be certainly the the leading cause in my experience. Um, mm. But then like you say, more from that sort of deeper level and, you know, I'm, I'm very well aware that this is a nutrition-related podcast. No, so no, I it's, wanna... yeah, no,
0: I, I love it, I love <laughs> <Yeah>. it.
1: <laughs> Go into it too much. But, yeah, it's, it's just that um, I guess – the body, the universe, whatever you want to <laughs> right. whatever you want no, to call for it for
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, I was um, speaking to Carissa earlier today about something in relation to this which with time I'm sure she'll share but um yeah, she would agree with you I think 100%. <laughs> but it's yeah. yeah, I think you you see that on many levels as a practitioner where there's sometimes a bigger question as to the why. But I I must 100% agree as far as what you physically see in clinic as far as the impact of chronic stress for like years on end. Um, And that is something that we'll say we'll talk about in a little bit as far as um, potential testing options. And I know over the years I've seen signs of potentially going that way where there's already so many signs in how someone is feeling and you can see with testing, it's like, or if you keep pushing and you keep pushing, this is going into a potentially dangerous place. Um, and then yeah, post-viral, which I I know sometimes gets thrown around, like as far as post-viral fatigue, um, I feel like they're so like layered on top of each other when it comes to chronic fatigue and post-viral fatigue, like very much one and the other. Like I, I do see a lot of that. And then, yeah obviously obviously even the i would say the gut to a point as well as far as what we would see clinically as far as how someone's fatigue levels can be so profound and so great and experienced for like if you were looking at even you know the the criteria diagnostic we'll call it diagnostic but if you're looking at that syndrome classification you could look at some clients with ongoing chronic gut issues and they'd be like tick 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 you know from joint the joint pain and the aches to obviously the debilitating fatigue itself and the lack of concentration and the yeah it's quite profound how you can see that impact from a gut level which plays into a lot of what you've said too even from a nutrient deficiency component when you were talking about even mitochondrial function i was thinking of that you know as far as like just basic very, very important nutrition that we need on a day-to-day basis to function effectively and neurotransmitter function if we've got, like, so much chronic inflammation in the gut. Um, and, yeah, yeah, that's that's just, like, clinically something that I know that we see a lot and often a, another layer embedded in something like stress or something like um, post-viral fatigue.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's where a lot of it – comes down to sort of that multi-layered aspect to it Mm. as well because say for example somebody will come in and they've got you know that that chronic stress um or they're they're on that cusp of burnout it's not you know it's very rare that you'll see somebody that's coming in and they've you know they've got that that burnout, their chronic, you know, stress picture going on, but you know, their gut health is wonderful. They're, they're eating beautifully. Their digestion's perfect. Mm. Um, every other th- aspect of their life is just wonderful. Mm. You know, it's, it's, that's never the case. It's obviously that, okay, so they're coming in, they're stressed, um, you know, they're on the, that, cusp of burnout. So what does that actually mean for them? That probably means that maybe they're skipping breakfast. Okay, so what does that mean? Oh, well, that means that then maybe they've got elevated cortisol first thing in the morning, or um, they are just generally lacking in energy in terms of the calories that they're eating. And then the mm-hmm. flow-on effect of that is we're looking at nutrient deficiencies, and it's just this cascade because then that leads into poor sleep quality, and it's just you know this this gradual descent into what yeah what we can see is chronic fatigue so Mm -hmm. whilst there is you know the the like those genetic predispositions, (laughs) predisposition and then there's also you know those viruses that can trigger I think that they are yeah I do see them but the the leading one is that stress that we see that chronic Mm -hmm. stress but then it's it's really, you know, it's not just the stress that's caused this, it's what stress has then caused and then that flow-on effect from there. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very multi-layered, which is interesting in regard to then thinking about it from a treatment point of view. Um, I think already that highlights the complexities, particularly of how we would look at treatment but what about even from a medical or conventional model um what are those treatment options tend to look like and was that even something yourself that you doubled in before going into the nutritional um, options or naturopathic options
1: well, when, yeah, from from my experience, when it sort of all happened, there wasn't really, you know, and this was still only, what, seven or eight years ago, there really wasn't as much recognition and um, there wasn't much that the doctors could really offer me back mm-hmm. then. It's only since probably in the last couple of years since I've really delved into it from more of a clinical space that I feel like we've come a long way and I I guess maybe I also know the right questions to ask and how to actually communicate with doctors and specialists and those sorts of things to really get more of an understanding around a the testing options and then b also the treatment options so looking back there wasn't really a whole lot in terms of testing Mm. I had done like I'm sure I probably just had your standard blood tests just to rule out anything sinister um I do recall like they can do brain scans so things like MRIs um and then just yeah general blood tests and those sorts of things I know that um I guess they're a little bit more across it these days in terms of the triggers of fatigue in itself so they might send you for testing for your iron studies they might look at um, you know testing for thyroid conditions and those sorts of things and and if you've got a really comprehensive GP they you know they'll look a bit deeper and then they might also send you off to like an endocrinologist for example and look Mm -hmm. at more significant things like potentially Addison's disease and and those sorts of things so I think that side of things has certainly come a long way in terms of how they would start to investigate um, from a medical perspective at the moment and you know like I said I'm having not you know needed to to go down that path that recently I'm sure it has changed significantly but um, in terms of treatment, I know that at the time, and even to this day, a lot of the ways that they do actually treat is through antidepressants, mm, exactly. um, which is yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. And mm, um, I think this it's yeah, it's probably again multi layered. In on one hand, the a lot of the doctors you know, not to, to throw any, anyone under the bus, but a lot of them just don't know how to treat this. They don't mm. really understand it um, from that sort of biochemical level. A lot of them do just think that maybe there is that mental health, you know, capacity that's that's involved. And so I think, in you know, in some cases, sure, it's a, it's a lazy treatment, but I think sometimes that's, that's all that they have in their toolkit to mm. use. Agreed. And, um, you know, that in itself just, I feel like sends you on a whole nother cascade in terms of the mm. effects that that can have on your mental health and then also on the gut. And it just, yeah, it's, it's certainly not, not the, the road that I would be recommending people go down if mm. they can avoid it. For sure. Um, yeah. So I guess from there, you know, if, if you're not seeing your general practitioner, they would. Typically, refer you to an endocrinologist in my experience and what, and what I've seen in clinic um, because they can look at sort of that hormone element when we're thinking about things like cortisol or how the adrenals might be functioning in those sorts of um, areas. I would say that that would be sort of their key focus. Um, and then on the flip side of that, from more of a functional, you know, integrated perspective. In terms of testing, um, I feel like we've got you know a huge advantage in this in this realm, <laughs> and this is where you know since being in practice and and even just during my studies, I was like, wow, if if I knew what I knew what I know now back then, I just yeah, I think life would have taken a very different path. But um, <laughs> yeah, I guess functionally, I'd be looking at things like most certainly. Um, st- stool testing for one, so having a look at what's actually going on with the gut um, because there's just so much we can see now in terms of what markers are elevated, what inflammation pathways are going on, what detoxification pathways are compromised, those sorts of side of things. Um, the one that I'm more recently getting involved in is the organic acid testing. Um, I think that can play a huge role in terms mm-hmm. of even just looking at Um, Energy production and how the, you know, the um like looking at the Krebs cycle and ATP production and those sorts of that side of things and that can also play into that that mitochondrial dysfunction and and really getting a handle on what's going on there, Um, and then also looking at Dutch testing so that dried urine hormone testing so that can be. Another, I, I probably wouldn't be looking at it more from a, say, a sex hormone perspective. I'd be looking at it more from that cortisol picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, I guess they're probably the three standouts, but they would come after I'd be looking at, you know, complete iron studies, complete thyroid panels, and I'm talking, you know, reverse T3, thyroid antibodies, those sorts of that side of things, not just looking at TSH. Um, and then also, obviously, just your key nutrition, key nutrients. So B12, um, zinc status, iron, just making sure sort of all those foundational levels are covered as well. Mm.
0: No, beautiful, beautiful. And I do just to go back to like the testing from a more conventional model. And I think this is what we see a lot of in clinic and clients that do come to us is that even with someone who has done comprehensive testing as far as they can do and then potentially referred to an endocrinologist a lot of these people are coming back with a clear bill of health like there's a very often blood work that has been given and they're they're just at their wits end because it's like well everything i've been told everything's fine everything's fine which is where we would look more um closely at those bloods as far as ranges to see where things actually are sitting and they may be fine again not throwing shade on like that there's something being missed, but sometimes we can look at it, we'll see patterns of maybe someone's white blood cells and how, how they were behaving before this event occurred and how they're behaving now and what those levels look like. Um, or even like the the viral side of things that might be looking at past viral exposure and maybe doing a bit more of an investigation there as well um, but the, yeah, the exciting thing is, as you, you said, Christine, like once it comes to our toolbox, it's like, okay, now we have the tools. Like it's the medical model gets to a point and clinically their resolution or their, their only sort of tool that they tend to have is something like antidepressants, whereas we have this like array of toolboxes which enables us to dig deeper. And it's somewhere where I wish that, and I'm sure with time like we could get more on the same page where you could have these clients or these um, patients with their GP where the GP gets this point it's just like okay I've done everything I've exhausted everything my end it just definitely seems like chronic fatigue now it's time to handball you over to a clinical nutritionist or someone of the like that can do this and I know it's getting better but yeah often we have people come to us who are at their wit's end and they're just like this apparently there's nothing wrong with me, but I can't get out of bed every day. Um, And the only other test that I just wanted to mention as well, and I definitely don't want to go on a rabbit hole on it, but um, with you mentioned the oat and so forth is sometimes with these types of fatigue presentations, there can be issues with mold um, and it's not common but um, probably something that is a little bit more on the rise, um, particularly around Brisbane, with a lot of the floodings and so forth. But there are, we mentioned about the organic acid test. There can sometimes be some signs in that, but there are some specific types of tests that can be done too. So if even if there's listeners that have gotten to a certain point with what we're saying and they're like, I've done this, I've done that, I've done that. Like it's, it's definitely worth just mentioning um, as far as how sometimes with, with chronic fatigue, there can be some, um, some other factors that are going on that are a little bit deeper. I always call it, um, the lower funnel stuff is like the top of the funnel to us are the more everyday things like the gut and the adrenals and stress. And it's like, well, we've got to make sure they're all okay, but definitely as we're moving through and just for people who are like, yeah, again, I've done this, I've done that can there be some other elements to going on? And I guess that's our thing, isn't it? As practitioners too, we're always like, there's got to be a why, like you're fatigued for a reason. Or if you have IBS, your bowel is irritated for a reason. Like we just need to figure out what that is.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. So I want to move on a little bit to the concept of like nutritionally, what we can do um, and, and different lifestyle factors, but I just wanted to circle back to, um, the challenge factor of living with this as a condition before we get into that. And just, I guess, there's an element of acknowledging that, which you already have, but maybe to paint a little bit of a picture for these clients of what some of those challenges can be. And, and maybe I think, again, you've mentioned this in relation to even the process of trying to figure out what the hell is going on but yourself I'm interested if there were there some challenges that you went through that you now also have been able to bring as a practitioner to the table and have that deeper level of empathy for
1: yeah definitely I think and as we have touched on it Earlier today I think probably the leading challenge at least in my experience was really that initial shock um trying to to understand what on earth is going on and um and to really I guess come to terms with that as well and a lot of that um yeah there's there's it's a huge load in terms of you know that psychological aspect you're almost going through a bit of a grief in terms of what your life once was and for many people like myself it's you know one day you're fine the next day it's like your whole world's changed in terms of your capability to work to earn an income to socialize spend time with friends and family to to basically do Anything that you'd once done, you know, a lot of that overnight can change very quickly, and so that that mental side of things, I think, is probably one of the biggest challenges. Um, And then, I guess, hand in hand with that is the the effects that that can have on your family and your friendships and your work as well. So if we're looking at, you know, your, your ability to work. Um, so obviously a lot of the time for myself included, I wasn't able to, to work. And so there's that added financial strain and having to, to rely on potentially family members to, yeah, to support you through that time. Um, and, and then, you know, if you're looking at somebody that's Potentially got children, then then they've got that added pressure that they're they're a provider and they're not able to provide for others um, is a huge you know burden to carry, and um and then another thing that I found especially tricky was really trying to communicate what I was going through with other people, with family members, with Mm -hmm. friends, and I think these days there is a lot more recognition, a lot more people are are aware of what it is um but it's tricky because you know there's so many conditions that we see these days that are you know classed as those individual uh, sorry not individual invisible conditions Mm, and so from the outside you can't no one can see that you've got maybe a broken leg or um, you know there's there's nothing physical about the condition Mm. a lot of the time and so to try and communicate what you're experiencing with those around you can be really challenging and especially when it's you know a lot of the time it's not necessarily pain related it is more that fatigue presentation so a lot of people are just like oh we'll just go have a nap you know just just mm-hmm. <laughs> don't work so hard or you know those sorts of things and it's just until you've experienced it yourself you really can't articulate the difference between fatigue and being tired and still mm-hmm. to this day I can I can it's, it's so I'm so aware of it I know when I've got a day mm-hmm. where I'm like feeling that fatigue or I've got a day where I'm just feeling tired mm-hmm. so just being able to really communicate that with Obviously, you know your healthcare providers, but more so from your support network can be really challenging as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and then obviously the stress that sort of goes alongside with all of those elements. It's like on one hand you're like I'm I shouldn't be stressed because that's how I got here, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. how do you how do you not feel stressed when you can't you know pay your bills or you can't yeah. you know see the people that you want to see or you know you know maybe like for me for example I really enjoyed exercise like I wasn't a gym junkie by any means but I loved Mm. getting up and going for a walk in the mornings and to not be able to do that was just yeah it was such a big part of your um I guess your life and and who you you consider yourself to be your character, mm. a yeah, lot of those identity. elements, yeah, were really stripped away in so many different aspects of, of your life in terms of what you're capable of, what you do day in, day out, all of those things can change so quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and wow. then I think the other side of that is when you do sort of come out the other side, there is that element of I've always got to be careful now. I can't, Mm. can't push myself too hard because, uh, you know, I'm at risk of X, Y, Z. And so it does always sort of play on the back of your mind that you do need to have that, yeah, that sense of, and I mean, of course, it's good to be more mindful of, you know, how you need to look after yourself. But Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just like, I just want (laughs) to live my life without having to, you know, worry about Pushing myself too hard, or have I had mm. all the nutrients I need to have to make sure my <laughs> yes. my mitochondria are functioning properly? Yes. Uh, like, and now
0: I'm stressing too much about having yes. all the nutrients for my mitochondria. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh. We have a brand spanking new meal plan available on our online shop for you called the Easy Meals Food Plan, and as the name suggests. This Easy Meals food plan is designed to make healthy eating easy. It provides simple whole food recipes that will leave you still feeling really energized and light and fantastic. The overall goal is to provide these nutritionally approved meals that are designed by clinical nutritionists at the JCN Clinic that can be prepared in under 30 minutes or less. We know that a lot of you are time poor and this meal plan has been put together because of that demand. Also, with the recipes in the meal plan, not only are they delicious as always, they're easy on the gut, so we know you're going to experience minimal bloating and gut upsets. There's lots of variety in there as far as ingredients to help build a really robust gut and microbiome. There is step-by-step guides for recipes, minimal fuss, lots of easy recipes. All of them have gluten-free and dairy-free modifications if needed and something we haven't done before is we have also added for you a weekly shopping list that will help you get organized and prepared to make the meals throughout the week even more simple to throw together. We've also included some nutritionally approved brands throughout this meal plan to guide you None of these are sponsored, it's just sharing with you what we think is A, accessible and B, works well to provide you the best. So, if you're interested in the Easy Meals Food Plan, head to our online shop and just click on Easy Meals Food Plan and you can get that for just $45, which guys, is an absolute steal. You can also head to the link in our show notes. You explained that so well, like, and thank you for sharing your side of that. Like, yeah, that was really, really in depth. And I I feel like anyone who suffers with chronic fatigue and is listening will just be feeling so seen right now with how you explain that. So, yeah, thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, I just hope it's also helpful to those potentially that are listening that maybe they are helping to care for someone that does have it at the true, moment because, true. you know, obviously there's the burden that you're carrying when you're going through it, but it's equally as hard for those that are around you and they can see you're struggling, but they can't do anything. You know, of course there's there's mm. things that they can do to support you, but for the larger part of things, they, there's not much that they can do. And so mm. I suppose, yeah, giving – some education around how to maybe support those people in your life or just, yeah, more of an understanding as to what these people might be actually going through. Mm. Yeah, 100%. So what about
0: treatment options? So particularly with our toolbox, like nutritionally, what we might be able to look at um, and then I'd love to talk a little bit about the lifestyle side of things, which um, in its own right can be quite big. And obviously we're not going to mention any particular products here as we never do on the the podcast guys, but yeah, is there, is there some standouts that you wanted to discuss, which is really hard because I think again, we've just laid out that this is such a multifactorial area. So this in its own right would be multifactorial, but I'm sure you've got some strong thoughts about some particulars.
1: Yeah. So again, it'll come back to more so that testing side of things. So say Mm. for example, we've started with maybe a stool test and we can see that there's quite a, you know, a number of markers that are out of balance. So if it's more driven by, you know, dysbiosis or some sort of inflammation with that GI tract, we'd be looking at going in and treating that microbiome. So whether or not it's through the use of you know probiotics or like a dietary approach in terms of establishing more of a healthy microbiome um, and addressing sort of those dysbiotic areas as well. Um, that would be sort of one aspect you could take but then if it's more so the case of looking at maybe nutrient deficiencies we can be looking at things like your b vitamin groups and um, your essential minerals and vitamins and so those sorts of aspects and making sure that sort of foundational level is really taken care of as well um Then in terms of like more dietary focused, um, heavily focused on anti-inflammatory for one, because a lot of what we can see, especially if it is more driven by um, like a a post-viral sort of situation, we can see a lot of neuroinflammation as well. So that's when, um, yeah, obviously the the neurons, especially sort of in that, um, across that blood brain barrier we can see some issues there so really supporting that that inflammation that might be present there but also on a systemic level as well and um, and then sort of I guess hand in hand with that, looking at, at more of an antioxidant approach as well, and really focusing on those those foods that are really high in antioxidants to reduce any oxidative stress that might be contributing to it as well. They're probably the the main areas that I would focus, and then from there it'd be more targeted as to to mm. what I'd be doing each individual. But they are sort of the foundations that I'd be looking at for for anyone that was presenting sort of with a, an array of symptoms and. And potential causes, for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think you just yeah you highlighted even with that it's it is quite diverse. It is going to p- depend on where the actual driver is coming from, and where in a case like this, in most I would say most circumstances, a some type of functional testing is going to be needed. Like it it will just be such a necessity um, to to get some clear markers as to which direction to go uh, and then to be able to tailor around that. And it's definitely cases where I think you could have person A versus person B versus person C with all with chronic fatigue and they would all look very different in how they were tackling getting better because of what that driver might be. Um, So it's, yeah, it's an interesting one. And I think from our perspective, again, the exciting thing is there is just so much that we can do like, you know, okay. Yep. This is driven by the gut. We've got all of these things we can do. This is driven by, uh, um, HPA dysfunction. Like, Oh, wow, great. We've got all of these tools and this is what we can do. Or there's a massive viral element here. So, you know, or we've got these layered effects. We just, we do have a lot we can bring to the table. Um, And, yeah, for someone who has only been up to a point given maybe antidepressants as their only option, um, that is really, really exciting. But then there's the whole lifestyle side as well. Um, And, again, I'm sure even yourself and management of this in both cases, there would have been things that would have been important for yourself. It would be interesting actually just to know with yourself nutritionally because you had – A lot I think that you already knew but I'm sure it helped you maybe hone in a little bit more in certain areas but what you're even saying about your own experience and that more kind of um Kind of, what did you call it? I want to say esoteric, but that sounds, was that the word you used? I feel like that's really the wrong word to use. Sounds like it's really woo woo.
1: (laughs) I know. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint, I suppose. Yeah, esoteric or metaphysical, whatever. Metaphysical. I like that. better. Metaphysical
0: layer. (laughs) Like that, that, that component, I feel like really drives lifestyle changes. So I don't know whether that was something that you experienced
1: yeah yeah massively. And um even from a nutritional point of view, like as much as i I'm, I'm sorry, I'll start again, I had experienced this prior to doing significant study in the nutrition world. so mm-hmm. i as much as I had an interest in you know health and nutrition, I had no idea the, the impact that diet and, and even lifestyle could really have on sort of my recovery or even, you know, was it playing a role in terms of having the, the fatigue in the first place? So I think just sort of circling back a little bit is that that diet aspect, it it actually can be a quite a challenging thing because you can imagine if someone's feeling especially fatigued and you know, they've they've going through those challenges mentally as well. Often the last thing that they want to do is get up and prepare mm-hmm. a healthy meal three times a day. So mm-hmm. it's a bit of a double edged sword. It's sort of like that's what they really need to be doing in terms of optimizing their diet. But often that can be one of the, the first things to fall by the wayside, not only from that fatigue perspective, but then also from the potential impacts in the in the GI. in in the GI realm as well so whether or not it's um, like a loss of appetite or implications on their stomach acid and and those sorts of side of things as well so yes I think nutritionally it's it's obviously a key component but I did just want to acknowledge that I can understand if you're listening to this and your diet's not on point at the moment um, I empathize with you and um, I can Mm -hmm. I can understand that how that can sort of play a role if you will. But yeah, in terms of lifestyle, for me, it was really focusing on a, a, a support network. So being able to rely on friends and family, and and really getting sort of an understanding from them as to what was going on, and a lot of the time this would vary in terms of, you know, who I was actually communicating with, but not everyone really understood what I was going through, but they did the best that they could, if that made sense. So they, you know, they, they were able to, um, yeah, to support me in ways that, that was manageable for them. And, um, and if you can really build up that that network in terms of friends and family and and really try and communicate to the best of your ability what you're going through and what your needs are at that time. Um, And then further to that, also looking at your healthcare network. So this can be, you know, things from your GP to maybe a clinical nutritionist, a naturopath, um, but then it can also be other, you know, other therapies. So maybe you might get benefit from seeing an acupuncturist um, or a kinesiologist or, You know, maybe massage therapy can be helpful if you're getting more of those, um, you know, muscle aches and joints and joint pains and those sorts of things. So really building a good network around you can be really, really helpful, especially for that mental health picture and and really helping you get a grasp on, on that side of things as well. And, um, for me personally, I suppose hand in hand with that, I did do a lot of sort of mindfulness activities. So mm. things like meditation, breath work, um, there's not a lot you can do when you're fatigued. So things like <laughs> <You> <laughs> meditation, <do> breath work. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yes, I, um, there was a lot of guided meditations that, yeah, that I used to do and, um, yeah, breath work and those sorts of things. And, um, actually there was another thing that, um, at the time my GP, um, was quite open-minded and so he'd done sort of a bit of work in that area as well. And he'd mentioned a, um, it was like a brain training course that they have available. I'm sure uh, that there's,
0: not there's gupta. F- no, it gupta,
1: no, it wasn't Gupta, I think, no. um, Think it might be D DNRS, something like that. You'll have to have okay. a look at it. It's been a you little while a since I looked. Yeah, so that was um something that I went through as well. And it's it's I think more so focusing on that neuroinflammation and mm-hmm. building different neural pathways and those sorts of sort of side of things as well. Um, so that was really, you know, impressive wow. having that come through sort of the, the medical realm. Mm. Um Yeah. And then I guess from there, it's more those foundational things. So looking at if you are able to do any form of exercise, even Mm. if it is, you know, a two minute walk outside in the sunshine and just obviously that the effects that that's going to have on your physical health, but that mental health and then you can look at you know your vitamin d from your sunlight exposure and those sorts of side of things so it it, the the lifestyle factors will really vary depending on the severity Mm. of the fatigue so some people it's not as severe and they might be able to do a bit of light exercise and and if that is the case you know looking at maybe some weight-bearing exercise to um, to help you know focus on your your bone mass and your muscle mass and those sorts of things but For others, it can be a lot more severe, so looking at things like just that gentle walk around the block or even just sitting outside and, yeah, getting some sunlight sunlight exposure can be really helpful as well.
0: Mm -hmm. I imagine even – I was thinking also psychology when you are talking about other therapists, like you mentioning how much of a mental – emotional challenge this could be or could is like having someone on your team from that perspective for a lot of people would be really valuable in so many
1: facets um yeah I did leave that out actually yeah
0: did you yeah
1: should have put that one in there yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that was that was a key factor as well but it's it's tricky because I sometimes I you know I hesitate to mention all of these different things because I know that for a lot of people, when they are going through this, there is that, you know, that financial strain on things as well. Oh, absolutely,
0: absolutely. And a lot of the
1: time, yeah, it's, you know, when you think about, oh, I'd love to go and get acupuncture, I'd love to go and do these sorts of things. Yeah. It's not always accessible. Um, yeah. But just bear in mind that you can speak to your GP and get things like your mental health care plan, which can really help mm. to alleviate some of those costs as well. So
0: Yeah, and it also, as you said, it's, it's not not every one of these things is going to be for everyone depending on what that driver is as you're alluding to with exercise so you know even though we're you're listing a lot of options here I think that's really valuable for people who are listening and and if they are experiencing chronic fatigue it might be just that that person that hears well I've done all those things but wow Christine's really kind of connected the dots how much this has been affecting me emotionally mentally I think I do need to go and see a psychologist so you know you, you you never know so I, I think it's definitely valuable to point out and I'm I'm curious before we sort of finish up um, if you don't mind sharing like I feel there may not be an easy answer to this but do you and I say this because I think people listening will be very curious whether you feel like there was defining factors for yourself when it came to feeling better and I know it's not like, oh, I'm healed, like this is potentially something that you manage moving forward, Um, but did you feel like there were some key factors for you that helped you move out of being like chronically fatigued?
1: Yeah, um, and this is actually quite recent. So without going too far into it, I've actually had two instances of it. So the first one was Uh, Yeah, probably seven or eight years ago. And then I did have a flare up about three years ago, maybe just over three years ago now. And the second one for me was far more significant than the first. And so with that second one, I was much more into, you know, the nutrition world. So I had a lot more of an understanding around what could be going on, which was probably more a curse than a blessing in some ways. (laughs) like have these mind maps everywhere and you know this is connected to this and this is oh gosh went on and on but um, for me yeah most recently I would say that doing functional stool testing was probably one of the key factors mm-hmm. um, that made the most significant difference and um, yeah it's it's hard without mentioning numbers and names and things but yeah. there were some markers there that when i saw them on the paper and when i really looked into what actually was going on in terms of their role in the gut and systemically mm-hmm. it was a you know very insightful but then when i actually did the treatment that went along with that it was yeah it basically took me from probably 60 to 80% which for some mm. people, might not sound like a lot, but when you're, yeah, when you're in the throes of chronic fatigue, that's a significant improvement. Mm. So, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, to that, I'd also been doing a lot of that foundational work that we mentioned in terms of mm-hmm. diet and and so forth, and a lot of that mental work. Um, but yeah, that that still testing was was very pivotal in terms of mm. yeah. Getting no thanks getting for sharing because I
0: just know people listening would be curious. They'd just be like, What did she do? <laughs> she sounds <laughs> great. What did she do? <laughs> and again, everyone is different, everyone's yes. circumstances will be different, which we've, I hope, got it uh, gotten across. But yeah, just for curiosity's sake, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, and most is there any like final tips or like kind of pearls or advice that you would give to anyone who's experiencing chronic fatigue?
1: I'm not sure about pearls, but I did just really want to drive home that, uh, well, a couple of things. The first thing is you're not crazy. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not all in your head. Um, It is, you know, it's, it's a real thing. And even though we don't really have, you know, a definitive cause or you know a real pathological understanding behind what's going on and I really do think that we are going to have that you know in years to come there's a lot of research going on into that at the moment so yeah there's that you know just honor yourself and that and, and really understand that this this is real for you and and as much as it can be challenging when you are in the throes of it I just really want you to stay hopeful and and to trust that you will get through it. And if you can yeah, really seek out the right healthcare providers for you, I know it can take time Mm. um, in finding the right one for you. And it might be several people that can help put the puzzle together for you. But um, yeah, just just really try and and stay hopeful and, um, and know that there are options out there for you.
0: Yeah, no perfectly said. Love it. Thank you so much. This has been real. This hour has flown, by the way. I've just been like just soaking this all up. Um, If people want to know more about you, find you on socials, um, get in contact with you, want to come and see you at the clinic, um, how do they do so?
1: Yeah, so you can find me, I'm most active over on Instagram. So that is just christine.nutritionist. And then from there, you can find me through the JCN Clinic or you can just go direct um, to the JCN website and book in. So I am in clinic, um, in the Brisbane Clinic on Wednesdays at the moment and then I'm also doing telehealth as well. So lots of availability in the new year as well. So, yeah, I'd love to to work with you if this is something that's been going on but um come over and say hello wonderful yeah no thank you so
0: much again i know listeners are going to get so much from this we've actually had quite a few listeners hit us up over the past year about this topic and i don't think that we've spent a significant amount of time giving it the the attention that it is needed so this has just been perfect um so, yeah, I really appreciate you giving this some time and I know we'll have further discussions on the podcast, that's for sure. But
1: thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, I look forward to coming back. <laughs>
0: and thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, we appreciate it so much and, like always, would love if you would share this episode particularly as always if this has resonated with you or if you know someone who needs to listen as Christine highlighted it's not always just about the person that's experiencing chronic fatigue it's also about the community around them so it's a really great one to share but thank you for joining us and we'll catch you next time bye thank you bye